Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 144. Episode 144, the day is Monday, December the 18th, year of our Lord, 2023. I hope you all enjoyed Sunday's special episode with the great Trent Staggs running for the United States Senate in the state of Utah. Um, former, uh, former stronghold of rhino extraordinaire Mitt Romney, who has now announced that he will not run for re-election come 2024. Uh, for that Senate seat. So we have a chance to pick up an America first senator in the great state of Utah. And we hope um, that that Mitt Romney vacating from from that seat will destabilize the the uniparty stronghold in Utah enough to allow Trent Staggs, a candidate like Trent Staggs, to um, to become senator there. Uh, Similar, similar uh, fight that I'm in here in, in Minnesota of a different variety, but the same fruit, fruit from the same poisonous tree uh, with Amy Klobuchar. And Amy is uh, a uniparty stalwart, so much so that her numbers traditionally reflect somewhat different from the numbers of other statewide races that see more Republican, um, more Republican uh, voter turnout uh, or, or more Republican votes, let's say. For example, uh, Scott Jensen, I think, lost by, I don't know, 500,000 votes, 400,000 votes on paper uh, in the in the 2020 midterm, uh, in, the, in the 2022 midterms. And, um, you know, back in 2018, Amy Klobuchar won, you know, by almost a, a million votes, uh, maybe, you know, at least three quarters of a million votes. So another 250,000 people, usually Republicans and usually from districts that are more traditionally Republican tend to vote for Amy Klobuchar for some reason. And, and it, it's just, a, it's just a symptom of a cuck society. I mean, you know, it, it I, I could go through, I could go right on down the line in the Republican party and I could find your cucks, uniparty, uh, centrist status quo, moderate cucks, political cucks. And they're probably voting for Amy Klobuchar. They still say it. They'll tell you, we love Amy Klobuchar. She's great for the state of Minnesota. She's horrible for the state of Minnesota. And, and this brings me to what I want to talk about today, because over the weekend, oh, sorry, I got a bit of a, a cold here. First you get the stomach flu, and then uh, I guess you, you get the, the sniffles. Um, over the, over the, the weekend, uh, it was brought to my attention that Minnesota has decided on a new state flag. And the new state flag resembles a number of um, – Somali state flags. Uh, in Somalia, they have uh, states where they call, um, uh, I don't know, jurisdictions or municipalities or wh- wh- however they organize it. They have states, autonomous regions, something like that. I think it's autonomous regions. Um, and uh, a, number of, a number of them have similar color scheme flags uh, and, and whatnot. Uh, one of them being Jubaland, uh, another one being the Puntland. Uh, and and both of them look extremely similar to the new Minnesota state flag design. 
Now, I didn't see anything wrong with the old Minnesota state flag design, to be quite honest. Um, and it's not like, you know, state flags are are prominent. Um, just in general, a few state flags are prominent, like the Texas state flag, right, has that, that sort of uh, uh, popularity, let's say, or, or even the Arizona state flag has some popularity, I would say, but... But state flags traditionally aren't aren't really widely regarded or even even considered, uh, because we live in the United States of America, and that 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 United States of America flag has always dominated the political and cultural um, uh, symbolism of of what what we believe in here in America. Uh, but we do have our state flags, and and for some reason, the state of Minnesota um, commissioned. A group to uh, to redesign the flag in the middle of a number of crises. One of which, our fifth grade students—I'm sorry, not our fifth grade students, but many of our students in the public school system can't read beyond a fifth grade level. I'm sorry, many Americans can't read beyond a fifth grade level, but many of our students in the public school system can't read at or one grade below their own level uh, in school. So, to me, it's just. Deal with the aesthetics when the business is handled. Deal with the aesthetics when the business is done, when we've done the hard work to deal with the, the essential issues that affect uh, the, the, the everyday standard of living and quality of life of, of American citizens or Minnesota residents and, and more so their future. And then we can, we can deal with uh, art, right? But, but we have this sort of neoclassicist culture, right? And if we go back to the earliest days of the podcast, I talked about the three um, ideologies that that stemmed from the same philosophical hierarchy uh, or or academic tradition uh, out of the post Renaissance era there in in Europe and and those three ideologies were liberalism communism and and neoclassicism. Um, It, it it's interesting that that we would even have to have a conversation about Minnesota effectively uh, having white liberals who headed up this commission, by the way, uh, redesign a flag that so similarly um, resembles uh, one of the Somali flags. Now they have the privilege here in the state of Minnesota, especially since the Minnesota Timberwolves are playing so well this season. Uh, they have the 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 privilege of of. Uh, of trying to hide the symbolism uh, within within the the what do I want to say the the unspoken color brand of the state of Minnesota, right? You could look at the Timberwolves, or you could look at the state of Great Lakes, or you could go back and you could look at the North Star, the Dallas the, the Dallas uh, team that's now in Dallas, but it used to be the North Stars, or you know, there's always been this uh, this kind of blend of of green for the forest and blue for the lakes for the land of 10,000 lakes and, and so on and so forth. So uh, they got some room to try and hide, but, but that's not really the point. The point is nobody amongst them thought that it would be inappropriate um, in, in a time where we're having a lot of conversations about immigration and, and global globalism, multiculturalism, all these other ideas about what it means to be an American citizen. Nobody thought that it would be inappropriate or, um, inflammatory, let's say, to have our state flag resemble the Somali state flag. Now, I tell you this on the back of 
what I said the other day where I had the conversation with the Somali man in the, in the Uber, who I'm going to bring on the podcast, by the way. I got his number, and I, I plan to bring him on the podcast because I'd love for you all to hear uh, somebody Somali's point of view on American politics from within the Somali community. I think that would be beneficial. Um, but his unequivocally, unsolicited, he said, I'm voting for Donald Trump. I'm not voting Democrat ever again. I'm voting for Donald Trump. My two kids, who are very liberal, go to the University of Minnesota. They're voting for Donald Trump. So th there is movement even within the Somali community. And the attempt for the establishment, whether it be in the city, the state, at the national level, to use a given group of people under a certain identity to forward an agenda or just to give a fuck you to their political opponents must be something that we start to take take note of. We we have to start to pinpoint and acknowledge and not allow them to take that actual group of people and 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 um bend the way that we feel about them, right? When the white liberal uses black bourgeoisie sellouts to um foster a certain climate in the country, if we allow that to become a reflection of all black people, we've played right into their hands. If we allow the neo-Nazis who pop up at the University of Wisconsin and hold some rally um, to become a reflection of white people, we play right into their hands. If we let uh, some woke liberal commission to redesign the Minnesota state flag uh, and, and them effectively create a rendition of a Somalian flag, if we let them make that be the, the way we feel about Somalian people, we play right into their hands. And these people are smart. And, and the Marxists, communists, neoclassicists, even liberal, intellectual traditions that came out of post-Enlightenment Europe had very, very... Um, they had very significant political ambitions. And part of that ambition was to divide people so they could continue to conquer and run whatever racket they were into. And that carried on right through into the British Empire. And the British Empire has been playing that game ever since. The sun never sets on the British Empire. It certainly hasn't set today. Prince Charles, I mean, King Charles, now it's King Charles. Uh, Prince Charles. King Charles now um, is wearing a $2 billion crown, <laughs> a $2 billion crown. I mean, just the, the, the audacity of it is, is, is awe-inspiring to say the very least. So I want to caution people in that way uh, today on, on the podcast to start here. We will not become Mogadishu. We cannot become Mogadishu. And to be quite honest, I don't think the Somali community wants Minnesota to become Mogadishu. I think they left Mogadishu for a reason. I think they came to the United States of America and to Minnesota for a reason. In fact, if you go back in the history and you understand the the, the fallout there in Somalia, um, much of what took place in Somalia was of our doing. Much of what took place there in Somalia, and look, I'm not defending Ilhan Omar. We're going to get to Ilhan Omar in a minute because she's a whole different brand to control the opposition, okay? Uh, but, but I just want to try and create a, a sensible common dialogue during this time where obviously the the propaganda 
um, is is this holy war between Muslims and Christians with the with with the Jews sort of in the middle, both geographically speaking and and uh, uh, you know theologically speaking. But um, the Somalian people don't want Minneapolis to be Mogadishu, and even if they think they want Minneapolis to become Mogadishu. It's a failure of leadership, maybe in the Somali community. And that's possible because even in the black community, we have a crisis of leadership here in America. We have a crisis of leadership. And part of that crisis of leadership is, again, to go back to my podcast a few episodes ago, it's lead, great leaders do not tell people what they want to hear. Those are great orators. Those are great salesmen. And in some cases, in many cases, what's happened in our country is those are what we recognize as great politicians. But that doesn't mean you're a great leader. In fact, the decay and decline of this country is greatly uh, due to that becoming the type of leadership we accept as American citizens. But that's not great leadership. Telling people what they want to hear, telling people and doing for people what they want versus what they need um, is not leadership at all. So just like in America writ large, or just like in the black community or just like in the white community, the Somali community probably is afflicted by the same thing, even if they believe they want Minneapolis to become Mogadishu, which I don't think they do. And when I talk to many Somalis, I've been living here my whole life. When I talk to many, many Somali uh, people here in the community, they, they, they don't like where they came from. They fled Somalia. Now, they fled Somalia due to a number, a number of, um, you know, uh, let's say, uh, conflicts that were taking place uh, there, there in Somalia that we were involved in, that our security state was involved in, that our military was involved in. In some ways, we promulgated. In some ways, we promulgated. And if you're not familiar with that history, if you're not if you're not familiar with the history of how the the Somalis ended up here, how the Sudanese ended up here, how the Palestinians ended up here, how um, you know the the Yemen the, the Yemenis ended up here, all of these groups. If you're not familiar with how they ended up here in the first place, first first place, you need to go back and refamiliarize yourself with that history to understand the trajectory of that migration to begin with. And there you may find some culprits that you didn't expect, wouldn't expect. So I don't think the Somalians want Minneapolis to become Mogadishu. And we certainly can't allow it to become Mogadishu. And that's a very hard line we should be able to draw with absolute clarity and not fear backlash in elective politics from Somalian voters or the Somalian community. See, part of this is the Republican and conservative movement growing a pair of balls and being able to just say things as they are, not to pander to some constituency, but also not to shy away from some other constituency, not, try, not to try and find this, this middle path that, that hides from all of the consequences, but that embraces the possibility of consequences for saying what's true. That's what being a real leader is. And I don't fear the Somali community. Uh, I don't fear backlash from the Somali community for saying that Minneapolis and Minnesota is not going to become Mogadishu under my watch. It's not going to happen. First and foremost, for the Somali community, you fled Somalia for a reason. So why would we want our home to become the place that you left? 
Doesn't make any sense. And secondly, because we are America. We are America. And each state, each city is bound, bound to the Constitution of the United States of America. And in that Constitution, that Constitution is a political document. It's a document about government structure, but in it also expresses views and beliefs and, and culture that we need to try and preserve. Now, some of the culture that's written in the Constitution, that was written in the Constitution, has been amended. And we've agreed upon that, and we've grown as a country, as a nation, and it was intended to be that way. That's why the Founding Fathers set up government structure that would allow for the amending of the Constitution, not throwing it out, not rewriting it completely based on some anti-American edifice of, of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or some claim about America's founding fathers being nothing but racism. Not that. But the Constitution can be amended. However, however, we're not going to let Minneapolis become Mogadishu because we hate ourselves. We're not going to let Minneapolis become Mogadishu at all, but we're certainly not going to let Minneapolis become anything out of self-hatred. And we need to understand the difference right here, right now, as American citizens. Progress for the sake of progress, genuine progress, real progress, progress that is actually beneficial, and progress masked, masking self-hatred. There's a big difference. And there are a lot of people out there right now. There's an entire global political movement out there right now that has used progress to mask self-hatred. And it's anti-human. And it's anti-human. And because it's anti-human, it becomes anti-American and it becomes anti-God and anti-Christian. It becomes anti-American because America has set out in its constitution that each individual human being has a set of God-given rights. And when your government decides to forsake, to trample on, to, to uh, you know, um, violate those rights, it's on you to stand up. And so that, that is the, the main reason why Minneapolis cannot become Mogadishu. But it really dawns on me that the white liberals, the, the Marxists and communists and, and the woke ideologues that, that are behind this, this whole deal, uh, and, and you can go look at the pictures of the commission and you'll notice there ain't one Somalian person on the commission. <laughs> In fact, I didn't see one black person on the commission. I'm just being honest. Maybe they were, maybe they're in the background. Certainly, they're probably in the background. You know, there's a, there's a brain trust. But even if there are black people or Somalians in the background, do those people represent the entire Somali or black community, or were they picked out of a, a, a select group that fit the psychological profile that group is looking for to move their agenda? See, we're getting, we're getting caught up. Our, our animus, our hatred starts to show. It really starts to show when we talk about race. When we talk about race or we talk about uh, culture or ethnicity, it really starts to show. People lose all sense of, of reason. And I'm not a moderate. There's nobody on either side of the spectrum that would describe me as a moderate. But I can still talk about these things with sanity, with level, with, with temperance, 
because those are Christian ideas. Those are Christian beliefs. Those are Christian sentiments. We start to lose our mind. Too easy. We let a few black people, a minority of black people, a minority of Somalis, a minority of Palestinians, a minority of Jews, a minority of Catholics, a minority of Russians, a a minority of any group of people start to define the entire group of people. This is a pitfall of human logic. This is the fundamental basis of prejudice, races, classes, all of those um, poisonous thought processes. And every time we do it, every time we fail, every time we fail to take the, the tough road, it, it really ain't that tough, but, but the, 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 the road with a bit more, a little bit more work to it, to deal with the nuance of any given situation, any, any particular set of data, any particular uh, political issue, anytime we fail to deal with the nuance of it, we fail to deal with the, the um, to deal with the real perspective, the, the deepest perspective or the broadest perspective, the perspective that encapsulates as much of the information as we possibly can as humans. All we do is we lay the groundwork for the Marxists or the fascists or whoever else to use that energy, your energy, for their own game, for their own agenda. And so I say with this commission, is the point here really to give Minnesota over to the Somalians? Or is the point to make a deeper rift between a prominent group of immigrants to try and promote their political opponents as being xenophobic? This is how we have to start to think. And that doesn't mean that we have to be passive We're not pacifists. The American populist nationalist movement, the smash mouth populist movement, can never be described as pacifists. I can walk right up to any any Somalian man in in the state of Minnesota and have a one-on-one conversation and say, listen, the Democrats are using you. They're lying to you. They're using you. Ilhan Omar's a sellout, and Minneapolis will not become Mogadishu because you left Mogadishu for a reason. Did you like how did you like living in Mogadishu? Simple. The end of story. Done. Done. But when we start to make these broad-based claims about Somalians in general and Islam and Muslims and and Arabs and 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 Africans and blah 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 and on and on we go. We get caught. We get caught in an avalanche that has nothing to do with changing this country. And even more so, not only does it, it's not neutral, right? That type of, of, of psychological and philosophical avalanche, spiritual avalanche, is not just about not saving the country. And it's not neutral. It, it's not a nothing issue. It does harm to what we're trying to accomplish. Why? Because we have the winning pitch. We have the winning set of ideas, but we spend more time dealing with our animus than we do proselytizing and spreading the gospel or 
the good word of what being American really is. We spend too much time on the animus. Now, don't get me wrong. It's right to rebuke and refute. When people start to lie, it's right to rebuke and refute. It's necessary. It's duty to rebuke and refute, especially for us Christians. But if you go back and you listen to the gospel, if you go back and you read the gospel, much of the gospel was Christ just preaching the good, the, the good word of the, um, the reward and the joy and the wonder and the love and the charity and grace of submitting to God. The benefit. Why? Because there's a benefit. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is a manual to improve one's life. Nobody could read Mark, Mark, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and not see some, some improvement in their personal life. And that's what, you know, people try and make it seem like Christianity was, was brought across the world uh, only at the tip of a spear. Yeah, there were spears and there were swords and there were shields and there were wars and there was blood and children die in wars. People die in wars and that's tragic. But the spread of Christianity was about love and grace and charity and hope. And even more practically, the, 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 the manual that the Gospels provide for people to improve their life, their well-being, which was rooted mostly in self-governance, a self-governance that comes through that hope and charity and grace and that submission to God. We've gotten these things all backwards. We spend so much time on the animus, we start to, we, and really it's fear. And that's what I'm here to talk to you about today. It's fear. It's fear. It's, 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 it's not, you know, this isn't an ideological disagreement. You're afraid. You're afraid to preach the gospel. You're afraid to, 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 to um, you're afraid to preach the value of American citizenship. Partly because your own spiritual house is in order and also because your, your idea of citizenship is poorly formulated. That's the reality. You don't feel well equipped to do either. You don't feel well equipped to preach the gospel. You don't feel well equipped to, to uh, promote the value of American citizenship. Because, you know, you, you have that sense. You have that profound intuition. That you, yourself, you out there listening, the individual, has allowed so much concession around those two things. Who are you to go and pre preach it forward? And that's exactly what the left wants. The left wants you to think that all of your misdeeds, all of your sins, all of your contradictions should prohibit you from being able to preach the gospel. Should prohibit you from being able to promote the value of American citizenship. And there's nothing more dishonest than that. And there's nothing more pervasive than that. And so when you and, and then when you adopt that, when you when you accept that, when you fall victim, when you fall trapped, when you fall in that trap, all of a sudden you find yourself making these broad claims about Somalians. And the Somalians are sitting there going, what? <laughs> Wait a minute, what? And I'm not defending them again. But this is just the reality. I see, I, I see and deal with Somalians every single day, almost. I live in Minnesota. Every single day. Are there, is their culture different than ours? Culture different than ours? Absolutely. 
is there is there dialect and even the the, the energy? You know, it, what we used to say when we were growing up that when the Somalians talk in their native tongue, when the Somalians talk in their own language, it always sounds like they're yelling at each other. There's an aggression. There's a sort of uh, uh, a tension that 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 isn't that isn't the same for the human language. Not the human language. I'm sorry. The English language. I think I said the, the, the human language. I meant to say the English language. But it's not, not the same for the English language. It's not the same for America's English dialect, right? Um, and I've even had to tell some Somali, some Somalians sometimes when I was growing up, but even as an adult, hey, whoa, whoa, man, hey, lower your tone of voice, man, you know? I don't like the way you're talking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like how you're talking. You all right, man? Right? And, 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 you know, if you do that, if you have the balls to do that, many people don't have the balls to do that, but if you have the balls to do that, they actually change their tone. Oh, you know, my apologies, my apologies. What I'm trying to say is, right? And that's part of culture. That's part of having a, a culture, whether you have a culture in your own nation or you're meeting somebody on the road and, and, and travels. Look, we live in a world, look, we live in a world where we're not going back to a, 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 a monocultural, a, a monocultural world. It's not possible. It's not even possible. That's why I had such a problem with what Nick Fuentes was saying. Well, we, we're a white nation. We need to get back to being a white nation. What are you talking about? What does that even mean? All you're doing is keeping all the other, all the other minority groups that the Marxists have clumped together stuck right in the, 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 um, stuck right on the plantation or stuck right in the, the, the prison with the Marxists. That's all you're doing. All you, you know, and it's for what? For what? It's not the highest organization. The highest organization for man is faith. The highest organization for Christians, anyway, is faith and is Christ. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Christ already sorted this out. So Nick Fuentes can't even hold a candlestick. Now, Nick Fuentes is not even in the... Who? Well, Christ already said first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So what do I need to listen to Nick Fuentes for? And I don't mean to go back and harp on Nick Fuentes, and I'm trying to set up with Alex right now a debate between me and Nick Fuentes. We'll see if he if he if he's you know if he's game for that. But the point I'm trying to make, the point I made then, the point I'm trying to still make now is we're not going back to a monocultural world because we as a people, we the people, not only we the people here in America, but we the people all across the globe, decided that we liked multiculturalism better than mono, monoculturalism. We made that decision. Whether you agree, disagree, or are indifferent, we made that decision. We made that decision over a number of generations. And it wasn't just the Jews. It wasn't just uh, the people of Africa. It wasn't just the people of Europe. It wasn't just the people of Asia. It wasn't just the people here in the Americas. It was everyone collectively. Everyone collectively made that decision. Christ allowed us to make that decision. Christ allowed us to, 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 to preach the gospel, to spread the good word of the gospel far and wide. If you spread the, the good word of the gospel far and wide, if you evangelize people with Christianity, you're going to run into people of other cultures. This is how, this is how people, this is how I, I, I can see with such clarity that 
certain uh I, I certain I, I don't even know what to call them certain uh movements within our American culture or American political dialogue have completely lost all sense of of logic the contradiction in their in their diatribe is is profound. It's so profound that I have to think they're doing it on purpose because nobody with even the smallest shred of common sense could come to these kind of conclusions. Honest to God, how could a Nick Fuentes said that Christ and religion is the highest on the list, but then say we need to go back to an all-white nation or being a white nation? You can't be a white nation. The point that w- what we're trying to do is we're trying to, we were the new Jerusalem. We were the place that people could come to and leave behind their former sense of nation that was not rooted in constitutional God-given, God-given rights so that they could practice their faith. And then we had the freedom of the Constitution to try and evangelize those people to come into submission to Jesus Christ. That is the point. Not by fiat. We're not going to force you to love God. We're not going to force you to have faith in God. We're not going to force you to submit to God. We're not going to force you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because forcing you would not make it genuine. Forcing you would not make it resonate. That's why God gave man free will. God could obviously have forced man woman, and child to do everything that he wanted. That's not the game God laid out. That's not what God planned for us. He wants us to come into faith the same way we come in to make every single decision we, every single day of our lives, through our own free will. Through our own free will, if we decide to go and evangelize, if we evangelize and spread the gospel, we're going to run into other cultures. This is obvious. This is not, this is not a tough concept. This is, this is actually an elementary concept. So when we play these games, we play these games, all we do is we allow the Marxists and the communists and the globalists to continue to expand. Oh, they get to expand their, 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 their uh, um, target market of grievance policy, uh, grievance politics-based identity. Let's just keep expanding. Why? Because the the right, the controlled opposition right, is going to do the work for us. Working against Donald Trump. And if you really get down in the weeds, if you really get down in the message boards, if you really go on Gab and you really play around in there and you really, because I don't, I, I don't give a fuck. See, you can call me the N-word. You can call me a, a Zionist shill. You can call me a, a, a Muslim. I mean, you got to think. I've been called a Zionist shill, a Muslim, a darling of the far right, a Nazi. And I've been like, a, I don't even know what they call it. They, something like a, a BLM plant. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like a, I'm like a, 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 a political uh, bingo coverall. I'm, I'm just, I'm everything. Okay. When you're everything, you're nothing. I get it. You want to make me nothing because you don't want to hear the truth. 
But the truth is the only something I'm interested in. And the truth of the matter is the controlled opposition right is doing the left's work for them. You're doing the left's work for them. That's what's happening here. We have the better pitch. We have the better philosophical position on things like self-governance, on things like well-being, on things like being self-sufficient and independent and having a limited government. And what do you all do? What do you all do out there? You cook for a police state. I know you don't like it, but we're going to go back to it today because I see this with clarity. Ilhan Omar? Ilhan Omar is the highest level of controlled opposition. Controlled opposition. She's not the opposition. I keep trying to tell you, and I'm going to keep telling it to you, and because it doesn't, because it doesn't trigger the emotion of the modern American political climate, it doesn't get all the clicks and views. It doesn't have the virality. It's funny that social media and big tech would build a communication system that talked about success and numbers in a way that mirrors being sick. Viral? What makes you think going viral is even a good thing? In a sick society. If the society is sick, what makes you think going viral is a good thing? Sure, it may resonate with something, but we better be damn careful that what it resonates with is good and truth and not black truth, universal truth. Truth that's true, objectively true, but it's also with the right intent. It's also with the proper motive, with the righteous motive. And I see a lot of people say a lot of things that are true, but the motive isn't righteous. We are doing the left's work for them. We have the better pitch. American citizenship has a value. It has a value that was written into our founding documents that over the evolution of this young nation, still very young nation, we have brought this country to the point of collapse. Absolutely. But we've also brought this country to the point of the, the highest and most um, most rewarding uh, um, form of, of citizenship in, in history, in the history of mankind. Both things true at the same time. We have to deal with that. I mean, we have to sort that out. We can sort that out. We just got to stop playing around. Ilhan Omar She's the controlled opposition. She's not the opposition. The far leftists, the progressives, the, the communist Marxists, the Antifa anarchy crowd, you all actually think the conservative movement, I can hear, I can see that the cut conservative movement actually believes that the far left and the, the, the Marxists and the communists and that whole crew, the, the squad, for example, you all actually think that they're trying to create uh, a, a, a climate, a culture, a country at chaos, in chaos, because they actually want the chaos to ensue. 
forever, in perpetuity. See over the horizon. See around the corner. No Marxist, no communist, no globalist, no totalitarian, authoritarian, dictator wants anarchy in perpetuity. The anarchy is a means to an end. They're promoting a state of anarchy, a state of lawlessness, a state of chaos, so that you all will beg for tyranny. So you all at home, you conservative Christians who believe in God-given rights, in God as the highest authority, not government, so you all will accept a police state. You think they're doing it for the young black men who, who, who will steal, uh, go into an Apple store and rip six iPhones off, out of the wall? They don't need to do it for them. It's not, geared for, it's not geared toward them. They're not doing it for them. They're running a psyop on you. And, and a lot of you don't see that yet. With even me saying it, you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and that's exactly how they want it. That's exactly how they need it. See, because when an Owen Schroyer gets thrown in the gulag, outgrowth, police state, outgrowth of law enforcement, perversion of the rule of law, but you still see there's some law. It's just about who the law pertains to. There's selectiveness with the law, a selective prosecution, unequaled application, selective application of the law. But nobody's going without the law. Defund the police, but there were still police there on January 6th. So let's not paint a caricature. Let's deal with reality. Let's go grown up here. Let, let's be, we talk about being adults and being mature and being, let's go grown up. Why are, why are the Ilhan Omars of the world shilling and pretending as though they have this sort of anarchy, uh, lawless, chaotic uh, um, brand because they plan to give up complete and total control of the very system that they've built and helped preserve? Really? You really think that's their end goal? No. They're working for somebody. And that somebody they're working for is the same somebody that the controlled opposition on the right is working for. To hurt all of you into the middle. So you'll listen to the Mitt Romneys and the Ronald McDaniels and the uh, Joe Bidens and the Gavin Newsoms, pick one, pick one. Pick one of these polished, puppet, polite politicians. Just pick one. The PPPs, just pick one of them. And I guarantee you, you, you can start to see that you're being herded towards the middle. You're being herded towards the center. I said it from day one on the podcast. The extremes are not who I'm worried about. It's the corrupt status quo preserved by the centrists that's the most dangerous thing in this country. But every time you go to the nightly news, they're going to have another headline about some inflammatory extreme cultural wedge issue. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that there's, there's nothing there. I'm not saying we should ignore that completely. But what I'm saying is, you think they're doing... you you. 
You think they don't have that part planned out? You're on a hamster wheel. And the only way to get off the hamster wheel, you know, it's, it's like, again, The Matrix was a great, was a great, you know, kind of uh, interpretation of this, of this paradigm. In order to get off the hamster wheel, you have to, you have to give up everything that you, that you thought you knew, almost. Everything you think you know, you got to kind of be, you have to, you have to start to confront that, put that shit on trial. I got to start to put shit on trial. Do the Somalians really want Minneapolis to be Mogadishu? That was the case. Why did they leave Mogadishu? (laughs) Even if they think that's what they want, they, then somebody tricked them. And it's not hard to see how somebody may be tricking them because they're teaching our kids at an all-time high to become Zimzer, right in the public school. And they've put it into law that they are not even going to tell you about it at home as parents. They don't have to tell you. Kid gets in a fight at school, they don't have to show you the footage. They're filming it. They don't have to show you the footage because of privacy purposes, right? My kid gets in a fight with another kid. You can send him home but I can't keep my, my own kid home because of truancy laws, but you can send my kid home, but I can't even look or be, be made aware of the evidence that exists about why my kid got in a fight in the first place? The outgrowth, the grandiosity of a federal government that means to bastardize your citizenship. This is the reality. This is what we've accepted. And instead of dealing with that, Instead of dealing with that, we continue to go to the drive-thru and get French fries to, to scarf down and act like, it's, act, like, act like it's substance. Act like it's nutrition. Every time you get caught up in this race, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the race, the, the skin, the, the, the this, the that, 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 that. Every time you get all caught up in that, all you're doing is putting GMOs down the hatch. And increasingly, just like in our food supply, there's, there, there's not many selections that don't have the GMOs. That's the real crime that's taken place. That's the real outgrowth that's taken place is everywhere you look in the mainstream media, you see GMOs. Just like when you walk into your local grocery store, everywhere you look on the shelves, you see GMOs. That's what we've allowed. We've allowed them to create a climate, to create an environment, to create a country, to create a global society where the choice is nothing but sin. But still, in our own narcissism, in our own self-absorption, in our own inability to take responsibility and accountability for the country and society that we've contributed to, we find some more French fries to throw down the hatch from the nightly headlines of whatever side of the argument you're on to tell yourself that it's somebody else. That's not American. It's not somebody else. It's me. It's me. I'm the problem. Just like in basketball, I always tell the young guys who are playing, I'm the, don't, don't be pointing the finger. Don't be saying it's that person he didn't catch the ball he didn't get back he didn't 
Me. I, I didn't do. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes there's some there's something you need to communicate to a teammate. You know, drop down and help. Or, or, or send them baseline or whatever it is. Maybe it's encouragement. Shoot that shot next time. You're wide open. You got to shoot that. Make the free throws. Whatever it is. Sometimes you got to communicate. But, but when, it, when, when you find a player, when you find a player that points the finger too much, you usually got a cancer on your team. When it's always somebody else's fault. When rarely do they come from a place of what can I be doing better? What should I be doing better? How do I how do I surrender? How do I surrender more of my selfish ambitions in the interest of the team? And this is a fine line that we walk when we when we talk about things like the individual versus the collective. What's that proper balance? Some people don't even have the intellectual courage to deal with that question. What's the proper balance between the individual and the collective? Between the home, the nuclear family, and the community, the broader community, the, the extended community. Between the government and the citizen. These are fundamental issues we need to work out. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. But what I am saying is increasingly I'm seeing a psyop being ran on the American populace that's exploded into a polarized dialogue with people on both ends of the extreme eating French fries, all GMOs, whatever side you're on. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. You don't need it. You could think you need it. If, I mean, if that's how you want to roll, but we're not rolling like that on this podcast. We're just going to talk about shit exactly how it is. Exactly how it is. And exactly how it is is, is just like I said. The number one, the, the, the three issues, again, I'll go back. The three issues that the America First nationalist populist movement are focused on are borders, the debt, and forever wars. Anybody who contributes to or enables $34 trillion in debt, open borders, and forever wars, they're not America first. They're not MAGA. It's really that simple. And I mean anybody. No, no, no. You don't get it. I mean any fucking body. Anybody. Oh, anybody. Big on the any. If you can see the word written right, I got any in capitals, and then I got body in lowercase. Anybody. Anybody who contributes to or enables $34 trillion in debt, open borders, and forever wars, an enemy to the American people. Anybody. Now, once we deal with that, we have to ask ourselves, what does the rise of crime really do? Again, to go back to Ilhan Omar. Absolutely. Sellout to the max. But we have to be clear about what kind of sellout she is. We have to be clear about who she is. A lot of you are under the, the assumption that Ilhan Omar is this, you know, jihadist, Islamic, uh, you know, plant, 
you know, from the Muslim Brotherhood or, or what? Come on. The, who do you think the Muslim Brotherhood is? That's the funny part. I mean, when you really get back into the history, that's what we're that's what we're talking about. That that that's that's what I think we need to get down to. The conservative movement has been given all of these boogeymen that were really empowered by the same intellectual tradition and political elite that they say they oppose. But when we come to talk about those individual boogeymen, you seem to disconnect them from the political elite that you oppose. Reagan. St. Reagan of the Republican Party, of the conservative movement. Right there in the White House, meeting with the Mujahideen. Meeting with the Mujahideen. I say it slow for you cut conservatives out there so you can go and Google what I'm talking about. Ronald Reagan meets with the Mujahideen. Oops. Edwin Meese, Mark Levin, constitutional conservatives. <laughs> but you all got a problem with the outgrowth of Islam and, 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 and Muslims in the country or, or our, our interests, our economic interests abroad. Henry Kissinger, Richard Nixon, Petrodollar, the House of Saud. I mean, you can go either way. Karl Rove, the Bushes, Iraq, Afghanistan, ISIS, Qatar, Bahrain. I mean, all of these places have such, such profound geopolitical economic implications. If you're sitting here in America and you have a, an opinion about Muslims or Arabs or Somalis, that doesn't that doesn't deal with the reality of the security state you're a jerk off that's the that's the god's honest truth can't tell you any different than that and i'm not going to tell you any different than that i'll leave that for the 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 fox news types i'll leave that for charlie kirk or one of those those people no disrespect i love i think what turning point is doing is great i think they should implement the precinct strategy if the Democrats are going to use every single liberal university to train college-age students how to be involved in the political process, how the how Turning Point hasn't hasn't uh, prioritized the precinct strategy is well beyond my comprehension. And I think I'm a pretty smart guy, not the smartest, but I'm smart enough to know what the basics are. The basics are the Democrats have hijacked every single college university, the University of Minnesota. I just drove through it yesterday. Every single universe, every single liberal university in the country and train them how to become participants in the Democratic Party, or at least in the political process. At least they've put an emphasis on voting. Where's the emphasis of the precinct strategy? We all talk about rhinos. We all talk about the Republicans that are that are ruining the party, we can change the party. The party's only halfway full. There's like 188,000 
party officers in the Republican Party, it's one, I think it's one third filled, actually. I'm sorry. I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss, you know, misinform. The Republican Party is one third full. We could change the party tomorrow with the snap of a finger. And this goes all the way up to Donald Trump. I implore whoever out there can get close enough to Donald Trump to tell him when he goes on these on these on these trips to these places for these rallies and speeches, please just tell the people in the audience to to go to precinctstrategy.com and go into the party so when he wins, we can keep the rhinos out of the RNC. That's that's it. That's it. The Republican Party, the face of the Republican Party can be changed. That's the beautiful thing about the party. But you better go in there now because pretty soon the higher ups, the top brass in the Republican Party is going to try and ensure that the Republican Party can never be a vehicle for American nationalist populism again. They're working on that right now. Right now. Let me let me show you how this works. Oh, oh, you're going to love this. I hope I hope you're going to love this. This is probably going to bring it all full circle for you. Right now in February, we're supposed to have caucuses. Caucuses are a time where Republicans, uh, whether they're in the party or not, whether they've been involved in the process or not, can come in as delegates, can can come into the caucus and and run to become delegates, which would uh, ultimately endorse um, candidates for that election cycle. But also, if they stayed in the party, would be able to decide and vote on on matters within the party at the local level, all the way up to to the national level. In some cases, when 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 we vote on, uh, you know, um, committeemen, RNC committeemen. Um, and there's one committee man and one committee woman from each state. And then the chair of the party acts as the third, uh, RNC committee man from each state. So there's about 180, I believe 180 plus, uh, RNC officers across the country. And, uh, let me show you how this really works. Let me show you how the uniparty is really, really doing uh, the old switcheroo <laughs> right now in the Minnesota Republican party, they've already passed legislation that will require caucus members, people who are seeking to be caucus delegates to sign a loyalty oath to the Republican party, which brand is already in the shitter and everybody's aware of it. Uh, sign a loyalty oath to the Republican party, sign their name to a piece of paper to become a delegate. Now, many, many would say that they're doing this so that the Democrats or the illegal aliens, the illegal immigrants, can't come into the Republican Party and, and you know, uh, hijack the Republican Party for their own agenda. But who else does it keep out? Who else does it stop from coming into the Republican Party? That's only one-third full. You, you America first nationalist populists who are not in the party at current, 
who they can look at on a piece of paper and see across the country the 70 million plus people that voted for Donald Trump are not inside the party. They're not inside the wire. So they can talk all they want to online and they can even go vote for Donald Trump. But the RNC, the Republican Party, the other majority party in this two party, one party for, you know, in actuality, this one party system will remain in opposition to Donald Trump. Now, you can say that's insignificant. But the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? If it's so insignificant, why do we keep talking about Rana and the RNC? If it's so insignificant for us to have an RNC and a Republican Party that is America first, why do we still talk about the rhinos? See, it's it's either it's 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 either or. It's one or the other. Either the rhino, either the rhino faction of the Republican Party, from the top brass all the way down to the grassroots, is much bigger than we think, or the rhino establishment has a stronghold inside the Republican machinery, and they continue to try and railroad America first candidates by using the Republican brand and its history and its gravitas or its its cultural acceptance and legal acceptance as a political entity. It's one or the other. Let's deal with both. Let's deal with both. Feel the Republican Party. Feel the Republican Party. I'm going to tell it to you just the way it is. Right now, they're going to make people sign a loyalty oath at caucuses here in Minnesota, and they're going to say they're doing it to keep the illegal immigrants out. But really, they're keeping the MAGA delegates out too. And they know they are. Because they know the cultural narrative is that the Republican Party is not friendly to Donald Trump. So why would I sign a loyalty oath to a party that I don't think is going to actually act in the interest of my citizenship? You think they're not smart enough to figure that out? You think they don't know? It's a twofer. One, they get to say they did everything they could to protect against the illegal immigrants flooding into the party and taking it over. And they get to keep all the Donald Trump uh, supporters out. Let the illegal immigrants come into the party. Let them flood on in there. I want to talk to them. I want to talk to the Somalis. I want to talk to the now. Now let's say now let's say for example that these people are are sleeper cells, actual sleeper cells, and I do believe there are sleeper cells in our country. But the way you sneak sleeper cells in, you don't you don't, you don't sneak them in in mass. You sneak them in under the cover of mass. So I would venture to guess that the vast majority of people who've come in this country have come in this country, that the reason why they've opened the border the way they have is to let the sleeper cells in alongside the, the, the masses. Hide them in plain sight, right? That's, that's what they're doing. And if that's not the case, listen, it, like I said about Governor Abbott before, if you all really believe that these military-aged males could, could on any ma ma majority basis be sleeper cells, then the state of Texas should be protecting their own border right now. But there's too many Republicans down there in Texas clutching their fucking pearls. 
talking about the state of Texas shouldn't have to pay for it. You motherfuckers are talking about this. This is how this is how people talk out of both sides of their mouth. I know y'all not gonna like this. I know. I know. I'm that, but this is why I'm the hatchet man. Because I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about the pleasantries and line any one of these motherfuckers up to talk about it. And the reason why they don't want me to come to places like AmFest and the reason why they don't want to invite me on Fox News or the reason why they don't want to have me on certain podcasts is because they know I don't play that shit. I don't fuck around. Oh, well, Royce, you know, you seem really militant and unapproachable and blah, blah, blah. Nah, you know I don't fuck around. That's what it is. That's what it is. You can feel that energy. That energy is, is a not fucking around energy. I'm part of the not fucking around crew. And the not fucking around thing to say about Texas and the border is, in one sense, you're talking about, in one sense, you'll get online and get in the comments and talk about Texas should secede from the union. Start with the border, motherfuckers. You want to defect from the union? You want to defect from the, from the, from the, uh, from the, from the United States of America? You want to become your own state? Start with your motherfucking border. That'd be a great place to start. If I was going to secede from the union, I'd say, hey, we're defending our own border. And since we defended our own border and we stopped our own invasion, we're going to rewrite the rules of how Texas is going to deal with the federal government. Do that, motherfuckers. If it's that dire. But it ain't that dire. Or maybe it is that dire and you just don't really care the way you say you care. But my point is, all these illegal immigrants that are coming in the country right now, I want to talk to them. I'm not so sure that the Democrats haven't overplayed their hand. I'm not so sure that the Democrats haven't, haven't, haven't gotten out over their skis with this thing. Again, many of these people, even the ones that are coming from the Middle East, many of these people do not understand the fundamental tenets of this woke ideology. I can tell you from experience. I can tell you from experience, and that's why it was important for me to be out there during the George Floyd protests. Because I got the actual diagnosis. Where you were scared to go, you clutching your fucking pearls. Oh, my God, the Antifa. I wish I would be afraid of a 125-pound white liberal with purple and pink fucking hair. I wish I'd be afraid of anybody, much less them. And I don't give a fuck if you got 20 of them together, 30 of them. I'm going 30 for 30 in, in one-shot knockouts against 30 Antifa, pink-purple-haired, they-them-theirs, white liberals. I guarantee it. I guarantee I'm going 30 for 30 knockouts, one-shot knockouts, one-hitter quitters. Like a video game. Ping, 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 ping. It's going to look like I'm in a fucking bonus round at the arcade the way I'm going to be laying out Antifa. For real. I'm, I'm being honest. But I was out there with them. And, and the, the point I'm making is, oh, the Antifas, they know exactly what the political ideology is. But the people they've leached on to, that all they see was a man that was held down for eight minutes and ended up losing his life, they don't know shit about the political ideologies. They don't know shit about the way that the system works. They don't know they could go into the Republican Party. They don't know that George Soros, they don't know who George Soros is. The New York Times and MSNBC and CNN all tells them 
preemptively that when you hear George Soros brought up, it's anti-Semitic and it's a way to foster a conspiracy theory about Jews and globalism, which is exactly what they said in the Star Tribune as soon as I decided to run for Congress to tell the black folks that I was a conspiracy theorist. But we can go right to the FEC donation records and see how much money George Soros gave as a Hungarian-born Jewish Nazi collaborator. And then the right wants me to think that all Jews are like George Soros. But what about my good friend, my, my late friend Zev Zelenko, who was a religious Jew? You, you see how people are working us? They're working us. They're working us from every angle. You think it's coming from one angle, so you accept the incoming fire and you retreat into a den of wolves. That's what's happening here. You see the fire coming and you retreat into a den of thieves. Stand the fuck up. Pull your fucking skirt down and stand up. You know they're playing you on all the sides. The truth is right there in front of us. American citizenship is valuable. There is a living God. Our rights are God-given. The three issues we must prioritize are the debt, the border, and forever wars. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to close that border. Don't mistake what I was saying about the immigrants uh, and, and the propaganda uh, being we should protect the border on face value. It's not even a question. The question is now that the border is open. Who? Who's culpable? I mean, really, who's culpable and who's out there talking about the border being open, but really they don't want to do shit about it. Or maybe they can't do shit about it. I don't know. Federal government's big. Federal government's big. It's made a bitch out of all of us. The federal government is big. It's made a bitch out of all of us. And see, that's my point I wanted to get back to when we talk about George Floyd. And I thought about this when I was in the shower last night. I was thinking about George Floyd and the criticism and the and the whole the whole conversation that that always pops up about George Floyd and this this concept, this concept of policing. And you all think it's really about George Floyd. This is the this is the mind blowing part. You think it's about George Floyd. It's, it's very little to do with George Floyd at all. Anytime a police officer is able to manhandle you, is able to get belligerent or obnoxious with you or anytime an officer is able to arrest you without probable cause or anytime an officer is able to threaten you or anytime an officer uses excessive force or anytime an officer shoots the wrong suspect or anytime an officer IDs the wrong suspect and takes them in and they have to go through the legal process of 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 of, of, of vindicating themselves of whatever would be crime anytime that happens you're seeing the outgrowth of a police state. And because you're scared of Muslims and because you're scared of black men and because you're scared of, of roaming, raging, uh, uh, whoever, 
because you're afraid, you will allow that outgrowth. That is not American. I'm sorry to tell you that, my friends, is pussy. That is not American. If you give up your freedom for security, you will have neither and you deserve neither. Oh, I love oh, I love some of our founding fathers, some of our some of our early American thought leaders and philosophers. Oh, they they cut straight to the they cut straight to the point, right? Oh, flaws included. I mean, everybody has flaws. A nation was young. We had a young nation. And their flaws could end up being a fatal flaw. We don't know yet. Time will tell. We still have some time to, to save the republic. But I just love the way they talked. Oh, these people talked with some, with some balls, okay? If you trade your freedom for security, you will have neither. You won't have it. Right? You won't have either one. Let's get that out there. But more importantly, you don't fucking deserve either. <laughs> I fucking love that. I fucking love that he took the time to reiterate. Not only do you not deserve either one. Not, I mean, not only will you not get either one, you don't fucking deserve either one. It's almost, it's, it's almost as if he was saying, it's almost as if he was saying, if you betray your American citizenship at a level where you're willing to give up your freedom for security, you have become a, a you have become a, a a level of pussy that now opts you out of the God-given rights and American citizenship that we're trying to grant to you. It, it's almost like you can actually pussy your way out of the deal, which is fucking awesome. I mean, this is Smash Mouth populism right there. Yes, we won. We, you know, we created New Jerusalem. This is a, a, a nation, a, a, indivisible, indivisible. Under God, you have God-given rights. God is the highest authority, the creator, not the government. You, self-governance. But the prerequisite for self-governance is you, you have to have some sacred honor. You have to have some faith. You have to have some integrity. You have to have some fortitude. And if you don't have that, you can opt out of the, you, you can opt yourself out of the deal. It's like you have to renew, right? You have to renew your subscription. We'll give you a seven-day free trial of American citizenship. But at, if at the end you decide that you're such a pussy, you would trade that freedom that we've given you the trial for for more security, then we're going to unsubscribe you. <laughs> the police state, motherfuckers. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Every time you get pulled over and you have to worry, is this police officer uh, maybe drunk? Uh, are they suffering from mental health issues and trauma on the job? Uh, just having a bad day. Maybe they saw eight other assholes today, you know, uh, citizens that were giving them shit for no reason, and now I'm the eighth one, and I'm going to catch the brunt of the whole deal. Every time as American citizenship, you can't rightfully and effectively stand up for yourself against the federal government or any of its any of its subsequent authorities like the police or a court of law anytime that happens the federal government is is grown too big
And it growing too big is somewhat out of your control. I won't say that that's not the case. That's that's for your elected officials who you did vote for. But but a lot of times they lied to you and they went to represent you and then they they bent to the 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 convenience of more security. And in, in their case, it's more financial security and, and social social status security than it is physical security. Although they get that too, right? I mean, the, the, the Congress gets to enjoy doing their work with the Capitol Police, right? And and you have to worry about going out of your office and getting mugged at the, you know, going to your car, and then you're waiting for the local cops who are overtaxed and 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 uh, overrun, uh, underfunded. You have to worry about them coming to save you. Scam, um, but but anyway, you know, some of some of the outgrowth of the police state uh, isn't or wasn't in your control. But what is in is what is in your control is the the perspective and the sentiment you bring to the the American political process and the way that you use your voice. I think we all think way too little of the way we use our voice. We've been we've been tricked by social media to to believe that we have a voice. We've been given a voice, but many of us haven't haven't increased that responsibility that we carry about our voice online. I don't care if you have five followers or if you have five million followers. Be conscious of the shit you're saying. Be conscious of the shit that you lend to the zeitgeist. Be conscious of the things you contribute to the machine. And if you're on there cucking for the police state, you have no right to complain about where this country where this country is, where it's been, or where it's headed. Because there was nothing about our founding principles, our founding beliefs and ideals that would suggest that our founding fathers wanted us to live under a police state. And that's exactly what we live under. It ain't about George Floyd. It's about Owen Schroyer, who I think we're going to have on the podcast this week. It's about Alex Jones. It's about Steve Bannon. It's about Donald Trump. It's about anybody now who's going to speak out against the establishment who they'll bring legal punishment against. It's about them. And I tell you guys this, I I, I want to share this with you as well, <clears throat> because I always like to give real, real, um, real world examples. <laughs> Me personally, I was, um, Mistakenly identified by police um, I was mistakenly identified by police uh, at a local Lian Chin. Some of you won't even know what Lian Chin is. If you live in Minnesota, you know what Lian Chin is, but but um it's an it's like an Asian fast food restaurant. This was back in 2015, 2015. I was uh, living here in Minnesota, and I was at Lian Chen with my my, my uh, kid's mother, and we had just got you know a little a little plate, little little two three entree meal, right? You get the rice, you get you know you know two sides, one entree. Some people get chicken. It's Asian chicken, you know, Mongolian chicken, orange chicken, sesame chicken, blah blah blah. It's an Asian fast food restaurant, Asian chain restaurant. Like Panda Express, there. If that's that, that'll be of you a better example. Lian Chin is like Panda Express. So I go in, I get my food, I come out, I'm sitting in the, the the SUV on the passenger side, mind you, in the parking lot. 
and I'm I'm fucking starving. I mean, I'm so hungry. It's I can taste that food. I just opened it up right away. I start eating. And a cop car goes through the, the parking lot. And I can see that the officer's looking. You know, he's kind of got his head and he's looking around. Um, he goes by. A couple minutes later, maybe 30 seconds later, time kind of gets lost when you're in these sort of situations. Um, maybe it's 10 seconds later, another cop car goes by. And at that very moment, my kid's mother said, oh, I'm about to leave. We need to get out of here. Something They're looking for somebody. Something's going on. And my response to her was, we don't need to leave. Uh, we, we're not doing anything wrong. We're staying right here. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm eating. Don't, don't pull off yet. I'm still eating. I got the sauce out and the whole, the whole nine yards. And, but what I was really thinking in my head is, um, whatever's going on, if we abruptly now, after they pull out, decide to try and get out and leave, you know, maybe we get caught in the middle of something or maybe we, you know, they think we're trying to flee or maybe who knows what happens. We just stay put. Nothing dangerous going on right here, right now. I can see the parking lot in the mirrors in my, my rear view and purview. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, nothing emerging is happening right here this moment. Haven't heard any shots. Nobody's running around. It's, nothing's going on right here, right now. Immediately after I told her that we weren't going to go anywhere, a third cop vehicle, SUV this time, pulls up, pins us in, and the cop gets out with his gun drawn with it, through his car door, and he's got his gun on me. Put your fucking hands up. Put your fucking hands on the glass. Oop. Quick. Moments notice. Hands were up on the glass. Because I got that fine-tuned sense of, of, of being able to focus under high-pressure situations. But I'd be lying if I, if I said that in that moment, the, the, uh, the feeling wasn't one of imminent danger and, and death and that it, that it didn't take my, my central nervous system and my fight or flight response to zone in and tunnel and, and sort of tunnel in on what was going on to survive that situation. I put my hands up on the glass and I could see an uh, officer coming up behind me in the side mirror with his gun pointed at the back of my head. And as he makes his way to the door and he taps on the glass, he says, um, he says, can you roll your window down? And I said, he told me not to move my hands. He told me to put my hands on the glass. Are you sure it's okay to move to, to roll the window down? I'm going to do it slow. And he says, yes, do it slow, please. I said, I don't know who you think I am, but I can almost guarantee you I'm not him. I'm going to do it slow. I unlocked the door. I didn't roll the window down. I unlocked the door. I, I said, I unlocked the door. You can open it. I'm going to keep my hands on the glass. You can open the door. Go ahead. Because, see, that's one of the things, right? You don't, you're not supposed to, or you don't have to. You don't, you don't, 
you are not, uh, you have the right to not allow a cop into your car or to open the door for a cop without a warrant. Right. So that's one of the things that that would, you know, let, let's say you you had a, a bag of marijuana under the seat and you were worried that if they get in the car and they search the car, they find the marijuana and then you get booked for a ticket or whatever. Let's say you got a gun in the car, for example, and the marijuana, which is a felony uh, in most places. So you don't want to let them in the car. You don't want to let them search the car. That's a thing that happens. Luckily for me, I don't smoke marijuana. I don't do drugs. I don't sell drugs. I'm just an innocent citizen. So, hey. Go ahead and open the door. Hands on the glass. Sir, do you have ID? Absolutely, I have ID. It's in my wallet. Can you get it? Can you can you get it for us, sir? Slowly. No, I will not get no, I will not get the ID. I'm sorry, I won't. You can get it. It's in my wallet. It's in my back pocket. You can I, I'm giving you permission to go into my back pocket, grab my wallet, and look at my ID. And he did that. And he asked me to step out of the car while he did that. He, will you step out of the car, please? Absolutely. Slowly. Absolutely. I have no weapons on me. We're going to check you for weapons. Fine. That's great. I can guarantee you I have no weapons on me. Patted me down while his partner looked at the ID. And in that moment after I was patted down, pulled out of the car, gun still drawn on me, about eight cars here now, all of them got their guns out. It's about eight cop cars with their guns drawn. After he patted me down with the gun still on me and the partner looked at my ID, the partner looked back at the other officer who was initially got out and was standing at the SUV with his gun pointed at me and said, it's not him, basically. Now, many of you pussies out there would think or would accept that this is the price of police having to keep the public safe from criminals. And their excuse to me was there was somebody in the area who looked like me, who had known to carry a weapon and had felony charges on his record. What the fuck does that have to do with me? And why the fuck should I, as an innocent, law-abiding American citizen, with my child's mother, have to be put in the line of fire of your inability to properly identify people. Furthermore, why should I have to be struck in that type of situation in exchange by bullet to take legal action? Why should I actually have to lose my life for there to be legal action brought against police departments who handle the business of of peacekeeping in that way why do any of you not see that there's a problem with american citizenship with what we've accepted as american citizenship when we allow that culture of policing to exist had i made one wrong decision under pressure had i made one wrong decision in that tense moment of fear and anger and uncertainty, and anxiety, panic. Had I made one wrong fucking move, I'd have had a bullet in my in center mass. And you all wouldn't even know me today. Many of you wouldn't even know who I am. 
you'd still believe the stories that the mainstream media told you about me not being able to fly, which is another fucking scam. But that's the country we fucking created. That's the country we fucking accepted. And many of you want to say you never resist. Yeah, I guess you shouldn't resist when the fucking guns pointed at you. I didn't resist. But had I resisted, the, the, the real question is not whether or not it was smart for me to comply on that day. The real question is, had I resisted, would I have been in the wrong? And if, as an American citizen, a law-abiding, innocent American civilian, if I was not in the wrong for not complying with the officers that day, could I be seen as wrong for having my life taken? And when the fuck are you going to stand up and stop complying? I think you're going to start to, I, th I think you think, I think a lot of people think that not compliance should start when the circumstance is perfect, when there's no real threat that doing so could end your life, could end your freedom, could inconvenience you even in the slightest bit. So let's not go to the extreme. On that day, I would have been justified to tell that cop to go fuck himself, slap the taste out of his fucking mouth for wrongly identifying me and probably getting shot and killed. I would have been in the right. And they would have said, oh, well, we made a mistake and then he slapped us and then he assaulted an officer and blah, blah, blah. I would have been in the right. I got assaulted. You can't, if you're a citizen, if you're a citizen in the state of Minnesota, let me, let me help you understand how lopsided the federal government has become in relationship to the citizens. If I'm a concealing, a licensed concealing carry citizen in the state of Minnesota, I cannot point the barrel of my gun downrange at an individual unless there is a, 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 a credible perception of extreme bodily harm or, or death presented by that person. I can't even put my gun down range. I have to keep my gun barreled down until the very last moment when I decide to, because if I point my, if I even point my gun down range, that could be seen as an incitement of escalation that could potentially cause violence or bodily harm. That's the citizens. That's you, the American people. And the gun laws are similar in other places. Now, Minnesota is much more liberal with their gun laws, and, but, but my point is there are a lot of places out there in the, in the country that have these kind of legal, these kind of legal, uh, you know, quirks. These kind of legal details, nuances. I can't even point my gun down range without it being seen as a potentially inciting escalation and violence. But seven or eight cops can jump out of their cop cars, their, their patrol cars, their squad cars, and point their guns down range at me, and I can't backhand the fucking taste out of the cop's mouth for wrongly identifying me and putting my, my kid's mother in danger, in life-threatening danger? Cuckery. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy brought to you by Free People Radio 
and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We all believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. That was episode 144. The message of the day is, we cannot become Mogadishu, but we better, we even more so, even more so than standing our ground and not allowing our country to be taken by globalists, we better start to properly identify who the globalists really are. Who's the glo- who are the globalists? Who are the po- political elite? What is the controlled opposition? Because the controlled opposition are working at the behest of the globalists. And there's a far right controlled opposition and there's a far left controlled opposition and they want to run you into the middle like sheep and they want you to beg for tyranny. They want you to beg for tyranny. I'm going to bring a man on, a Somalian man from Minneapolis, and I'm going to ask him about Mogadishu. I'm going to ask him, does he want Minneapolis to become Mogadishu? I'm going to ask him, does he, does he believe in the policy or the leadership of an Ilhan Omar? Does the Somali community believe in the policy or leadership of the Democratic Party? We're going to get down to the bottom of it. See, because one thing we can't allow is that there's this, there's this cultural narrative about certain groups of people and identities without going to just ask them. Don't be afraid. Let's just go ask them. Now, they could lie for sure. That, I mean, that's possible. But let's all get on the record now because there's a lot of people lying all across the board. All across the board, there are people lying. I hope you got a chance to listen to the interview from last night, from Sunday night with Trent Staggs uh, running for Senate in the great state of Utah. Uh, I saw in the comments somebody said to me, Mark Levin, question mark, because Trent said that Mark Levin had uh, endorsed his his candidacy, and that's fine. Look, me and Mark Levin, you know, we, we, we're, we're on a, on a, uh, a collision course to have it out about, about his neoconism. Um, he, he's a neocon to the max. And, and all of you out there say, oh, no, he's a constitutional kid. I saw one person online say, Mark Levin could have written the Constitution. He's, he's such a, uh, a scholar of, 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 of the Constitution. He's a constitutional conservative. He's not a neocon. If you voted in favor of funding Ukraine against the Russians, you're a fucking neocon. That's it. If your aid for Israel is unconditional, you're a fucking neocon. That's it. That doesn't mean that we need to stand by and watch or listen to Iran say death to America or by proxy death to Israel, which means death to America or Hamas or anybody else. No, no, No prescription from your leaders about how we move forward should be that we allow people to kill us for the mistakes we've made in the past. That that level of self-loathing is not is not remotely appropriate for American citizens. Certainly not for me. And I hope all the other black men out there who are the rising backbone of the America First Nationalist Populist Movement and in, in, in support of Donald Trump's presidency for 2024, message to you all. Nothing that we participate in, nothing we participate in 
in this nation's politics should allow anyone to kill us in the name of the mistakes that 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 others made in the past. I'm not I'm not um I'm not giving up my American citizenship because the founding fathers uh were racist. I'm not letting Hamas or any other Muslims kill me because of the Crusades or because of uh, the inception of Israel. I'm not letting uh, any white liberal Karens tell me that being a man is inherently toxic because of their daddy issues or their brother issues or their uncle issues or their grandpa issues or whatever issue or their mommy issues for that matter. I'm not going to be held responsible for all these other people's past mistakes. And I'm certainly not going to trade away fundamental root assets like American citizenship. Just like I'm not going to give up space in my house to illegal aliens because America has played fast and loose with the truth and their foreign policy and went all around the world and done business with despots and warlords to steal and mine and, and, and traffic humans, but also natural resources. That don't mean I'm going to let you come live in my house. We got to get very, very clear now. I appreciate your listenership and viewership today and in the future. Go to freepeopleradio.com to find out where you can watch and listen to the podcast. Also, follow us on social media. Um, you can go to freepeopleradio.store. We got great merchandise and things for the podcast or from the podcast in the store. This Cuckslayer coffee mug. I don't know if you can see this. I hope you can see this. I don't know. Let me see. There you go. That looks like it's in focus. Cuckslayer uh, coffee mugs. We also got Please Call Me Crazy coffee mugs. We also got other fun stuff like kitchen magnets and, and cooking aprons. It's the holidays. You may be doing some cooking. We got some smash mouth populism cooking aprons. Maybe you're a guy that likes to get on the grill. You know, you got your, your apron can be their unisex. I know it's almost a it's almost a nightmare to say unisex now because such things are are so politically charged and, and used in a, uh, in a negative way. But these genuinely are unisex. Your man, your woman. A kitchen apron's a kitchen kitchen apron. There's, I think it's like more of a one size fit all. Um, and we got other great stuff too. Planners, uh, I mean not planners, but journals and things that you could buy and then follow along with the podcast. If you had an interesting, uh, something interesting that you wanted to write down and go back to, we basically created a journal that you could use to follow along with the podcast, so we could discuss nuanced ideas and you can write them down and go back to them at a later date timestamps. Um, feel free to comment anything that you found interesting during the podcast. I want to make that a normal practice. If you found a particular piece of content interesting, we'd like to know that in the comments so that we can go back and assess if it's something worth turning into a short or a clip or, or, or uh, maybe uh, referring to an, a, an episode in the future. So um, please do that. We got journals and stuff to, to, to follow on with the podcast or Whatever you do in your daily life, you may just need a journal. Um, t-shirts, Godspeed t-shirts are my personal favorite. I need to start wearing some on the on the show, um, although it's a little too cold for t-shirts this week. Uh, we're supposed to be getting back up to the, the mid-40s here by the end of the week. It's going to be one of the first Christmases here in Minnesota that I can remember where we probably won't have snow and, in fact, we'll have very, very warm weather. Um, so we're enjoying global warming. 
here in the great state of Minnesota. News from the front here in the icy tundra, the, the, the permafrost of, of the great state of Minnesota. We are, in fact, enjoying the benefits of global warming. If you're just listening, I, I threw the air quotes uh, up for that. Um, but, but anyway, you know, we're going to keep talking about these, these, these cultural lies, these cultural narratives, the propaganda. And I want to leave you again with this. The three most important issues, the three most important issues that are going to help save the republic, help you identify America First candidates, help you, help you separate the America First candidates from, from the opposition and the controlled opposition. The three issues are the $34 trillion debt, the border, the forever wars, the people who subscribe to and enable $34 trillion in debt, an open border, or forever wars are an enemy of the American people. That's it for me. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate all of the, the, the feedback. Um, the fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. As always, Godspeed.